How do you say this without being perverted? <laughs> have I? Oh, wow. Ha, hmm. Have anyway, you no, played games I, I, with I, not my nuts? <laughs> <laughs> it still sounds bad. I don't bad. know if that's any better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to episode 57 of the Rated Any Podcast for NerdAppropriate.com. We are here on a beautiful Saturday morning, and everybody's back from last week. Hillary is joining us again. Cool. She's back for more punishment. We were like, Hillary, we really liked having you. She's like, I'll come back. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I was like, really? You'll come back? (laughs) It was the galactic (laughs) readiness comment. I'm going to tell you that. Ah. (laughs) Oh, God. Can't help myself sometimes. Uh, PR, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a kind of all we've been chatting before. Oh, my voice is going. Hold on. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Already. All right. So we were chatting before the podcast started and we've all had kind of a, a bit of a long week. But let's let's share. What have you guys been doing? What's been going on? Uh, Scott. Um, yeah. Well, Scott went I... away, didn't you? Yeah, I spent half of the week in Baltimore at a totally awesome con, you guys. <laughs> I mean, I got, hold on, I got the swag here. Hold on. Oh, hold on. He's. Uh oh. This is the kind of swag you get at, this is what you get at my convention. It's this cool bag. It's a nice computer bag. It's actually a really cool bag. I'm not even being facetious I mean, here. Yeah, but it's got, I mean, it's got the logo on it. So unless you're a big fan of the uh, uh, spy defense and security sensing. Uh, convention. I, I am. I am a fan of that. That is amazing. And you can learn about all kinds of awesome things like uh, a field deployable device for the rapid detection of cyanide poisoning in whole blood. <laughs> or, Are you serious? Or, yeah. You see, he, he, Scott thinks that like what he does is totally normal and boring, but the rest of us think it's like amazing. And yeah. so every time he talks about this stuff, I'm like, are you serious? You got to go look at spy stuff? And he's like, yeah, whatever. Robots. <laughs> this was, well, this, this particular conference was like a, it was like mostly like a, a photonics convention. So like, I there don't were even like, know what that is. It's like this, I think it's like the <laughs> science of this. I think it's like the science of light or something. So oh, okay. there was a lot of, a lot of sensor technology, like laser beams and lenses what? and stuff like that. When I was a little kid, my parents wouldn't buy me a laser tag because it was too expensive. So they bought me Photon, and Photon was like the ghetto laser tag. So that's there the you go. why I know what Photon that's is. That's what it is. And yeah. so, like, the funny thing that. is, is that, you know, it's got very similar vibes to, like, a regular con, except, like, the expo floor is people selling, like, infrared cameras and laser beams instead of video <laughs> games and t-shirts you know are there are there booth babes that are like overweight hairy dudes <laughs> no, <I> mean, <laughs> just a lot of like suits and polo shirts you know and like oh, like there is there is business that's happening there but you should I was... be a booth babe at um science con <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i was, I was definitely a uh, drone yeah, <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I was totally, totally a fish out of water at this at this meeting, but um, that was my week. So hopefully, cool. someone else did something a little more fun than that. I went to Baltimore, but it was a, it was a pretty good trip. It's a it's a pretty chill downtown area. Cool. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. So that's that's really the point of my story. Is that <laughs> it's nice to be back in town. That's cool. Matt, did you survive? I uh, I did not see the Avengers, and I had full opportunity to. I saw that. Okay, first of all, this is oh, Matt no. tweets out, "Hey, um, 
I didn't go see the Avengers with everyone from Marvel because I love my wife. No, no, no. She, I said I want it. That is not what I said. I said <laughs> I want it noted in the Library of Congress that I missed the Avengers so I can see it with my wife is what I said. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because the Library of Congress notes all your tweets now. If you don't. Yeah. Oh, nice. But no, so, so this, a, here, here's the brilliant, here's the, <laughs> the brilliant thing about why wives ruin lives. Sorry, Hillary. Uh, <laughs> it's that, um, what happened was when they, what happened was, what happened was when they wrote out for tickets, they said, all right, if you want tickets to see the Avengers on Thursday, reply to this email. And Melissa was online with me and I was like, holy shit, uh, the Avengers, they just wrote about the Avengers, um, it's Thursday, I want to go. And she's like, oh, don't go see that without me, I want to see that, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, it's Joss Whedon. And I, and I was like, okay, she is a Joss Whedon fan, I will give her that much. I was like, all right, it's fine, just give me a couple weeks, I'll wait, no big deal, whatever. So I tell her I'll wait. And then she says that we had another conversation at some point where she told me it was okay to go. But what ends up, what I, all I know is that the next thing is I'm having drinks with the crew before they go see the movie. And I text her and I like guilty text her, you know, like, oh, just having drinks with everybody before they go see Avengers, like, wah, wah, like that kind yeah. of thing. And she's like, you can totally go. <laughs> this is 30 minutes oh, before no. the movie's going to start. I, there's <laughs> no way I can get in at this point, like zero way. And I'm yeah. like, are you serious? I'm like, it's completely sold out. There's no way I can go to the movie. And she's like, I told you you could go, blah, blah, blah. So I went home all and then, and then of course, uh, I go work next. Well, actually, I get home, and I like open up Twitter, and everybody starts filtering out of the movie from Marvel, and all I see is just like endless tweets about the Avengers. I just closed it. I was like, I can't, I can't look oh, at this. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> but I, I will guy. say this: I have heard nothing but hugely positive things about the movie. That it's an amazing movie. Everybody loved it, and uh, I want to say it made something like forty million dollars in its opening night in Europe. So wow. it's it's going to do pretty wow. well, I think. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. the sabotage card. Uh, wives like to play that one. <laughs> Not gonna <Yeah>. lie. <laughs> well, hopefully you get some good. Hopefully you get some good husband tool. karma. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. What about you, Hillary? What have you been doing this week? Uh, basically just working because that's boring. And yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of happy hour with work people, which is <laughs> sometimes fun. <laughs> Cool, cool. That's about it. No, my life is boring. I did play games, so that's probably the highlight of my week. Good. That's never I'm, boring. I'm right there with you. My week was pretty pretty boring. I did um, catch up on some stuff. I actually, the good thing is, is I found myself enjoying um, a couple games that I'll talk about today that uh, I haven't really played that much since Mass Effect came out, just because I was in like this, this weird vortex of Mass Effect, which is a good vortex to be in, um, but I Every time I'd plug a different game in, I'm like, this isn't as enjoyable as Mass Effect multiplayer. And so I just go back to Mass <laughs> Effect multiplayer. But I did play some stuff that's a lot of fun that we'll talk about today. But um, I'm Wait, right there you with in, you. Were you in a Mass Effect Vortex or a Mass Effect Singularity? Ooh, Ooh that's a good one. Let's, it's, definitely, let's get, it's definitely a Singularity. I was yeah, definitely let's get things straight Effect. here while we're... Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but I'm right there with Hillary. Uh, just a busy work week. Um, not a lot of joyous fun to report. Um, my family did come into town to visit I hadn't seen them since December. So it was good to see my folks for a night. So that was good. But other than that, same old, same old. Let's do the rundown. So what are we doing this week? So we got Adam Sessler leaving G4. Uh, we have PAX prime news, um, some stuff on game of Thrones, which has got a new game coming out 
of course, something about Mass Effect 3, because God forbid we get through a podcast without mentioning it. And then Fringe uh, has some news as well. We're doing reviews of the new Xbox Live Arcade, uh, Walking Dead. We've got Dragon's Dogma. The recap on Witcher 2, uh, Ash, and did Hillary, Hillary, did you go see Cabin in the Woods too? No? Yay? I did not. Yeah, okay, Ash went and saw Cabin in the Woods. And then uh, Mass Effect Homeworld's number one, which is the new book out. And then uh, the Twitter question. And the Twitter question was, with a new console on the horizon, what game or feature would make you excited enough to upgrade? And that's a modified version of what Matt sent me. <laughs> Matt was like, what would make you destroy your console and throw it out the window? And I was like, that's It was an exciting story. question, Ash. It I was. Know how to <laughs> entice excitement. It was. It was. Unfortunately, it was too many characters, so I had to abbreviate. So anyways, Ash, get into this Adam Sessler leaving G4. All right. So Hillary informed me of this, and I want to give her credit for this, because I was at work, and I sent a text out saying, hey, we got to come up with a Twitter question of the week. And she's like, well, why don't we ask people about what they think about Adam Sessler leaving G4? And I was at work, and I did like a, a total like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, Adam Sessler leaving G4. So I like... I, I did the same thing again. I was a, a bad teacher, and I went and sat at my desk for a minute. I'm like, you you teenagers do something for a couple minutes. And I'm like pulling it up on my computer, and I was like, holy crap. Because I was blown away. I mean, the guy's been there forever. So um, when I saw that, I was like, okay, we, we're going to have to talk about this because I think all of us probably, you know, in a sense grew up at least reading his reviews or, or watching him on TV a bit. So it is uh, kind of shocking, and I'm kind of curious um, as to what he's going to do. How did you all find out about this? Because I found out. Uh, Abby Heppy tweeted out, good luck to Adam Sessler. It was like 11 a.m. and she tweeted out that, like, good luck to Adam Sessler. He was one of the best people I ever worked with or something along that line. Oh, okay. And uh, so then I was like, what? And I started looking through, like, tweets trying to figure out what happened and I couldn't find anything. And then I Googled it and it finally came up that they had G4 had announced that he was done that day. Interesting. I think I saw, I saw somebody tweet it. I think it was uh, at nerd appropriate. I think he oh, did yeah. something about it. So uh, <laughs> uh, I was in the middle of a meeting and decided to just um, abandon the, uh, the 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 presentation I was watching and then start googling on my phone to find the story. <laughs> so, <laughs> excuse yeah. me, I need to go outside for a moment. Hold on. I did the same thing. It, it felt like a big deal at the time. So Hillary, how did yeah. you hear? Um, basically, I was just watching Twitter at work, which is normal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, basically, David Bass at Star Wars, um, he tweeted something about missing Sessler's rants. Yeah. And I'm like, that's strange. So then I, I did some research and found out that Sessler's gone. And actually, a funny story. When I saw the Mass Effect 3 demo at E3, I was literally sitting in his lap. So, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so hey, yo. I was like, hey, I kind of know that guy. <laughs> no, not really. But um, yeah. So it was a, kind of a, a funny thing. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. It, there hasn't been any kind of news about that. It's just um, he just is gone, right? Well, his yeah. people came out and said that he's going to aid a couple of production companies as far as like games get, being made into movies and that he's got some plans to be in front of the camera still doing something, but they haven't made any official announcements as to where he's going to go. I wouldn't be surprised if he got recruited by Vox Games. Um, um, you know, the, the, the super conglomerate. Yeah. yeah, the Verge guy. It, I wouldn't be surprised if they dragged him in because they're creating like basically like the Avengers version of uh, video game journalists right now. <laughs> and they're recruiting from like Joystick and Kotaku and they're basically pulling like everybody in like Mick Elroy and all those guys. I don't think he wants all... to write. 
I think he wants to be on Sessler? camera. Yeah. Well, yeah. what if he was their on-camera guy? I yeah, mean, I this mean, is all speculation, but I'm saying the timing's a little weird. Um, it's just get G4, G4 without Adam Sessler doing game stuff is weird. I mean, he was, well, you know, he was in charge of their games department for a very does, long time. Does anyone wonder why this was so fast? I mean, they literally yeah. announced yeah, the I day do. that he left, which is weird. And it was like a Wednesday. It wasn't like he left yeah. on a Friday. It was like the middle of the week. He just was like, eh, I'm out, everybody, and like took off. Yeah. Yeah. No, normally, I would say that there's either one of two things happen, and I'm not saying that this is the case for Sessler. I would think that a he got fired, or b he's going to rehab. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, think, I don't think either of those things are really happening. So that I had to pull those uh, those yeah. opinions to rest. <laughs> no, I mean, I I ran into him. I don't want to get it. anyway. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> I'll tell that story. I'll tell that story when we're not recording. Um, you know, I will say that from reading the uh, the comments, like on the on the you know big gaming blogs, it seems like the overwhelming um, feeling is like, oh well, like I have no more reason to watch G four anymore. Like yeah. you know, G four sucks now. And like yeah. then there's kind of like that long live tech TV movement again. You know that yeah. that that people have that you know every time there's G four news, it's always like tech TV was so much better. You know, like that's always the thing. Yeah. And that seems to be the vibe is that like people are generally happy for him and but they're still like getting disappointed in the network because they show like cops reruns, you know, throughout yeah. the day or whatever. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but it's hard. I mean, and, you know, G4 is really good at um, <laughs> kind of just ignoring <laughs> uh ignore. I don't want to say ignoring their community because that's mean. But when someone leaves, they just like. It's like an iron curtain goes up, and they're like, "We're just not going to fucking talk about it." And like yeah. you know, and it's just like maybe that's very, why it happens so suddenly. And, yeah, I mean, it might have yeah. been in the works for a while. They're just very good at like pretending that nothing is wrong, you know, which is mm-hmm. sort of their thing. So, um, anyway, we wish Adam Sessler a lot of luck, and whatever it is he's doing, I'm sure it's going to be pretty awesome because he's been around for many, many years. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So uh, next up, Ash, you you talked about this. I don't know what actually happened. So. Yeah. Um, so I was, again, monitoring Twitter when I should have been being responsible. And um, I didn't even realize that PAX Prime registration was opening up. I believe it was, I want to say, Wednesday of last week. And um, it was only open for like a few minutes. And then the same exact thing that happened to San Diego Comic-Con this year happened to PAX Prime. Basically, they got... Um, they tweet, they tweeted out that the registration was open and it got flooded and crashed their login and registration service and um, no one knew if they actually got tickets and basically they had to go in and shut everything down. Um, it was down for a couple hours and then it reopened again for about two and a half minutes and then crashed again and still no one knew if they got tickets or what the deal was. Um, some of the people that follow us on Twitter were able to get through and actually get their tickets but the same thing that happened to Comic-Con, they're keeping it closed down until they actually switch um, ticket registration services, and then they're going to reopen uh, registration in a couple, I guess, weeks, it looks like. So, um, again, it's just it's just kind of weird and frustrating, and um, Matt, the, Matt, the web gentleman, probably knows a little bit more about how this happens and why it's happening, so maybe I should toss well, I mean, the mic to Matt. I give, I give PAX more credit because they have not historically been rushed to have registration. So this is kind of the first time it's happened to them. East never has this happen. The last PAX Prime didn't have this happen. So, you know, you can't, you should always prepare for the fact that a million people want to come to your website in one minute, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. And they apparently just weren't prepared and 
when you have a rush of, you know, however many thousands of people all hit a server within a minute, it's it's going to do some damage if you're not ready for it. So Yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you think they just need to build a, like, a, a comic carnival, like a permanent, like, theme park for these conventions? Because they <laughs> seem to, the response to them seems to be overwhelming at this point. It might just do them better just to, like, you know, have you pay $80 admission and you can just go to the convention theme park for the day and, like, whatever's happening there, you just go do it. Like that kind of thing, because it seems we like should, this. We should open one. It's blown up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't That'll be inappropriate. Uh, yeah. Inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> they have entire theme parks dedicated to Legos. So to why the not? Kickstarter. Yeah. Let's get a Kickstarter. We only need forty million dollars. <laughs> we can do so, it. You can get a season pass. Do you think that maybe fans are conditioned to flood sites now just because of all of the shenanigans yes. with Comic-Con? I know, I know that I would, I'd be freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd want my ticket in my hand like that second. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I mean, think it's, it's – go ahead, Matt. It's kind of the nature of the beast when, when it's, it's all done by Twitter. It's, it's instant. You know, everything's instant. So like when, when you post a blog post and say, hey, registration's open, not everyone's necessarily going to be at the blog at that moment to see it. But when – something gets transmitted to, you know, 80,000 or 100,000 people at the same exact moment and all 100,000 of those people want tickets, you know, I mean, they're all going to rush at the same time because they think they're going to sell out. Yeah. So did past packs ever actually sold out? Did it sell out completely? Yeah, it sold out. Last year it did. It did, Mm-hmm. But it wasn't but it's like always day, over right? the course of like, yeah. yeah, it's always over the course of a couple of weeks, actually. I mean, East sold out, you know, a couple of weeks after three days. Well, maybe not a couple of weeks, but I know all the tickets sold out after the course of a couple of weeks. So it's not like Comic-Con, which sells out within a few hours. But right. PAX is definitely getting there. And I think we're going to see, um, like you said, people are getting conditioned to to get their ticket as soon as possible, which is, you know, it's sort of like a pack mentality. Everybody has to rush there, get their ticket and be like, I and everyone's like, oh, crap, I better get my ticket. And so it's all of a sudden it just goes, you know, mm-hmm. buck wild. Yeah. So I would just like to say that I think it's interesting in the East West Coast War that PAX Uh-oh. East is PAX East and PAX West is actually PAX Prime. Oh, yeah. So go that's West true. Coast. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're, you're taking LA. Seattle and Portland in with, with LA? <laughs> yeah, we're all on the West. West uh, side. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Uh-oh. Seattle and Portland want to be part of LA. <laughs> the gang war continues naughty oh, oh boy uh, let's all be friends guys don't shoot <laughs> not so, my nuts so moving forward Uh-oh. Moving not my forward. nuts have you played with not my nuts <laughs> whoa hey no. oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> that came out wrong Hillary have you played with I uh, can't even say it how do you say this without being perverted have I oh wow Ha- hmm. Have anyway, you no, played games I, I... with not my nuts? <laughs> it still sounds. I don't bad. know if that's any better. <laughs> uh, I I actually have seen not my nuts online, but I was too busy playing The Witcher. Um, uh-huh. He sent he or she sent me a, a, a game request, and I was very very tempted to play with not my nuts. So <laughs> yeah, no, Super not. I wonder how many friend requests not... he got. Game and do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully everybody hopefully everyone went out to their xbox live and friended not our nuts. awesome not my nuts because he's fantastic i hope so too. and if you I haven't do it now yeah. <laughs> i need to i need to add him asap connect today 
So whose uh, news is this Game of Thrones? Because I'm intrigued. I just threw this on there because I, I keep wanting to see more and more Game of Thrones things because I love the series and the books and everything. But the game, honestly, is not making me want to buy it. And I'm not sure. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, I, I, I've watched the you know, trailers and things like that. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure about it. And, and then it, it begs a bigger question. Can things like movies and TV shows translate into games and vice versa? I mean, how many times have we seen the game movie that just didn't really work out? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, it It's, I don't know. I think I'll wait on, on the fifth. It, it releases on the 15th of May. So yeah. I think I'll wait to see about that. But yeah, yeah, anything Game of Thrones is usually like, take my money. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, is this the Game of Thrones Genesis? Is that the game or is there yet a different game no there's like a it's this game of thrones and it's a console pc all all of the above game visually it looks amazing i mean it looks it looks great but i think the the problem with the game of thrones ip is that a lot of the book is politics and how do you translate politics into um you know an rpg experience um and that is a great question can uh, you know, different IPs actually translate to video games. And, and uh, most of the time, the answer, I think, is definitely going to be no. It just doesn't work because games are designed, for the most part, to be games. And, you know, structurally, that's what makes them work. They're built from the ground up to be a game. But um, when you take something like a novel, a really rich, in-depth novel, and you try and translate to a game, you're going to lose a lot of what makes that novel special. Um <clears throat> the game visually looks amazing, but the question is, can they capture that same feeling that you get from the novel and actually put it in a digital format? So I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think you're also going to have that same problem that like Ash had with uh, with um, Kingdoms of Amalur, where you, you look at it and all of a sudden you immediately want to compare it to a Bioware game? like that? Because that was the first thing you said about it, is that it's hard not to do that. Yeah. I, I'm going to have that problem, I yeah. think, for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, I, on the on the reverse, though, if Skyrim were to become a movie and let, let's say they, they took like one, one small thread of Skyrim and or even just Oblivion or any of the Elder Scrolls stuff and set it within that world, I probably would dig it. Um, but it depends on how they do it. But I don't know. I mean, it, the Game of Thrones game looks like, you know, you take the black and, you know, it, it looks like there's a story around that. And it does look like they've incorporated a lot of the politics, but it's not, it's not, even though it's set in the same world, it's not like you're going to be like, you know, trying to outmaneuver Cersei or, you know, yeah, yeah. trying to take up arms with Jon Snow, but maybe so, you will. I don't know. But I think you just said it and, and I'm going to totally partially lose my nerd card, which I think Scott knows this, but I can't stand the Game of Thrones books. I think they're, they're obnoxious <gasps> to me. Yeah. I hate them. Oh, East Coast, West like Coast. It. Slap fight. <laughs> no, I, I think I, I started watching the TV show, and I actually I like the TV show a little better. I, the books, it's like Lord of the Rings to me. It's it's like ninety percent world and ten percent. Then it gets into the story. Like he's he's really good at crafting this massive world that is real feeling. You know, I just didn't. I whatever. We're getting into a side note that doesn't matter. But anyways, the, uh, what I was gonna say about about the best it. Best part is Hillary's said, disapproving face. Right it's now, fine. <laughs> She's I'm looking biting my lips like It's okay. No, no, no. There's a good point, though. That Skyrim, what you said about Skyrim, I think if they did the reverse with this, where instead of trying to make a game based on Game of Thrones the book, but they made a game set in the world of Game of Thrones, I think that could be good. Like, I think they could do a lot with that kind of history and world and setting 
versus just playing a storyline or being a thing from the Game of Thrones book itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like like what you said with Skyrim was like, you know, oh, if they just took a story from the world of Skyrim and made a movie, and it's like, well, yeah, if they did the opposite to me, like if they just took the world from the setting of Game of Thrones and made the game, then I think it could be cool. I I agree. Yay, nay, I don't know. No, no, I I, I agree. It, it's hard. It's a hard thing to to really capture, but I really am eager to see how this game reviews um, because I'm I'm excited for a new RPG. I think it's time. You know, like I I love RPGs. Um, and if it's great, of course I'll play it. But I I don't want to be the guinea pig. <laughs> yeah. RPGs are hard to dive into because it's like you have to invest, you know, uh, a week of your life to, to beating it. So it's like, do you really want to dive in and play something new if it's going to be poor? And then there's the other side where you see like the Lord of the Rings games that get made that are like fluffy takes on Lord of the Rings, and you're like, this is horrible. It's not even fun. <laughs> like it, it's like a hack and slash Lord of the Rings, you know, which which doesn't yeah. make any sense. Well, I just I just remember you know being a kid playing like Harry Potter video game or you know <laughs> insert like Little Mermaid or something and yeah. and it just felt like every time that they tried to translate any of you know the the franchisey uh, movies into games it just was you know three hours later and you've already passed it so yeah I don't know no I, I think that I think my counterpoint would be like Batman Arkham Asylum Arkham City then. Yeah, those are great games. You know, where they they yes. took they took they didn't just translate Batman into a game. They took like the setting of the world of Batman and made you feel like Batman, and then made a great game about it. You know. Yes. So. Good stuff. Alrighty. Okay. So yeah, the fifteenth of May, Game of Thrones releases. But you're gonna wait. You're gonna wait. You know what? Season. I don't know. It's maybe I'll you know maybe I'll take one for the team. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'll get it the day it releases, and then I'll play it and tell you how awesome and how wrong I am in assuming that it was a bad thing. So yes. we'll see. Hopefully it's great. Hopefully I'm not a hater. Yes. All right. So um, whose Mass Effect news is this? Because I had not uh, heard that. This is it's Scott. Um, so. I am a fan of Moog stuff, so I'm on the, the Moog mailing list. And recently, um, maybe a few months ago, they released a couple of apps for iOS. And one of them was called the Animoog, which is um, basically a, a software um, Moog like music-making device. I don't know if you can see the screenshot. Oh, yeah. okay. you can, um, so it's got a bunch of presets built in. You can make your own like sounds. You can do stuff like that mm-hmm. and, like, do your own waveforms and whatnot. So um, basically the news was is that they recently released an expansion pack for the Animoog um, called the Divine Expansion Pack. And to um, to promote it, um, one of the composers from Mass Effect 3 um, used the expansion pack to contribute a track to, oh, awesome. uh, to their marketing campaign. Um the composer's name is um, Sasha, and I'm not going to butcher the last name. But oh, um, I was hoping you were going to say that. Uh, no, but he goes by Sonic Mayhem, and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the um, the web the web page containing the track that um, that he contributed. Um, and then we'll also, I guess, we should put a link up to um, Sonic Mayhem's website too, because you can um, go to the portfolio and check out the uh, the tracks that were contributed to Mass Effect Three, as well as the um, two of the Mass Effect two dlc packages as well uh and it's pretty cool stuff so um awesome i just thought it was give that a listen to yeah it's pretty awesome so um like if you're a fan of 
Mass Effect 3 composers, check out Sonic Mayhem. If you're a fan of making music on your iPhone, check out the Animoog. Yeah, it's a cool... It is cool, a, I didn't even really know that cool. existed. And the iPad app is awesome as well. We should also note yeah, that the, Scott is a Moog player, and he's quite skilled. Scott yeah, has a Moog tattoo. That's how much of a I do, Moog I do player have he a is. It's, yeah. on, it's right above his... So it's a little embarrassing. It's what you cut out there. You cut I, out. Hear... I don't know what you just. Oh, said. I, I was saying you, your Moog <laughs> tattoo is right above your butt crack, so it's a little embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is a stamp tra- or stamp tramp. Tram stamp. Tram stamp. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this last bit of news I threw in for Scott. It got announced. I think Friday. Fox said they are giving Fringe a final fifth season, so it won't be canceled before the end. They're going to give them a chance to end the show, and it'll be five seasons long after basically horrible ratings, but great critical praise and. They've kind of let the show limp along for the past couple of years. This seems like a total about face for Fox, and they're like, yeah, right? basically the way they treat science fiction programming, and I, I think this is really awesome. Yeah, and I remember we talked about it on an earlier podcast where the, uh, you know, one of the people in control of the programming was basically like, please don't send me letters. Like, I know I love the show too. Yeah. You know, we're just losing money on the show, and there's nothing we can do about it. And don't this is send just us cupcakes news. and donuts and all that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or whatever's peanuts. or peanuts. Yeah. Do you guys remember yeah. that with Jericho? Yeah, I, I do. I remember the Jericho show. peanut. Cake. I never watched it. I never watched it either. I always heard really great things about it. Oh, never. It was amazing. amazing. That was with and then they... Dylan McKay, yeah. right? I mean, what was his name? <laughs> I just said his 90210 name. Sorry. Wow, Luke Perry? No. Is it, that's not the Luke Perry one? No, no, no. It was. Oh, that's the, with the guy, guy from Scream. Skeet. Yes. Skeet. Skeet, Skeet Ulrich or something. Skeet. Oh, my God. No, but Jericho How is many the times best. Can we say Skeet in a single podcast. Sorry. Skeet. <laughs> God. Oh, what's going on with you this morning, man? Wow. I'm, okay. He's got long some week. Baileys in his coffee. I'm losing my mind today. I'm sorry. It's been <laughs> such a long week. Let's take All a right. break and we'll come back and we'll do some reviews because I don't know what's happening right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. So we're going to do reviews. And the first review we're going to do today is for The Walking Dead, which is um, a series, like a chapter-based game from Telltale Games. And they um, have done games in the past, uh, adventure games like Sam and Max and Back to the Future and uh, Jurassic Park and stuff like that. So now they're taking their talents to The Walking Dead. And I think Ash and I, I know Ash completed it and I played part of it. Anyone else get a chance to play it? I... I'm tired of zombies, so you guys need to tell me why I should play this. Okay, well, they're no, not that's, zombies; that's... they're just the Walking Dead. Well, yeah, sure. yes, okay. yes. Right. Uh, okay. All right, so I, I was, you know, I, I'll never get tired of zombies, but um, uh, I was no spoilers. Bit, yes, no spoilers. This is spoiler okay. free. So I was apprehensive about this title as well, for the same reason why um, I'm a little apprehensive about Game of Thrones translating. Uh, a television series or a written piece of work directly into a game is a challenging thing to do because you have to capture the exact feeling and the emotion of the experience of reading it or watching it. So that is 
really, really, really close to impossible to pull off. But I have to say that this title is totally phenomenal. It absolutely captures the, the vibe and the tone uh, of the comic book series. Um, and it is a lot of fun. And I found it to be actually pretty damn scary. And it takes a lot for me to get scared by a game. But there are um, sequences in this game. It is an adventure title, so a lot of it is kind of quick-timey. But there are quick time sequences where I was fumbling with the controller to hit buttons so quickly that I was literally like groaning in in my you know in my chair like oh my god like trying to hit things. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that sounded bad again. <laughs> oh. Innuendo. <laughs> Grabbing things and groaning yeah, in my chair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, but. Um, Graphically, it, it, it looks similar to the art style of the comic book series. Obviously, it's in 3D. Uh, it's cel-shaded art. Really, really pretty to look at. Uh, kind of cartoony. Scott, what did you think of, of the look of the game since you did get your hands on it? I, I thought it was great. And I, you know, my, my major concern about the game is, is basically the, the pedigree of Telltale Games, which is like if you look at a game at like Sam and Max, like the, the game mechanic in Sam and Max is you know adventure style. So it's like you know, you have to get the toilet plunger and you give it to the rhinoceros and then the rhinoceros farts in a jar and you take that to the other guy. You know what I mean? And you're like, yeah. in my head, I'm like, how is this ever going to make sense for The Walking Dead if, like, it's just a bunch of, like, esoteric puzzles strung together Yeah. Um, to create, like, a narrative that's kind of, like, irreverent and, and funny? And um, none of that translates to, to The Walking Dead, but they they basically sort of recreated themselves in, like, in what they do in this game. Yeah. And... um to to me the the first thing that i thought of was um like a game like heavy rain mm-hmm. because the 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 drama in the game is like so heavy and it's like it's not really like a feel good game because all the stuff that happens in the game is pretty like dark and you have to yeah. you know you have to make choices about what you want to do in in certain scenarios and yeah. um the i guess the game tells you up front that the choices you make um like have an impact on on the story in the game and chapters later on down the line. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's decisions you make early on, where you're basically uh, caught between a rock and a hard place, and there you have an option. It's like, do you save this person or do you save this person? They're both being attacked by the undead, and whatever decision you make, one character will be erased from your narrative for the rest of the five chapters. Huh. And um, you know, it's like back. Um, Ashley Kaiden experience from Mass Effect 1 where all of a sudden this person's erased from your entire game. Um, the same thing happens in, in The Walking Dead several times, but the thing that I, I found to be really amazing about this is they do give you... Um, it is The tone of the comic is it's very slow and plotting, and you get to know a lot of people. It's, a lot, it's, it's dramatic. There's a lot of conversation between the characters. So every death that occurs has a lot of meaning. It's not just like a person in a red shirt getting killed. It is a person that has a backstory and a history and, and, you know, getting eliminated. So that's, that's kind of cool. And, um, I just found it to be very eerie. Like there's, you know, it, the whole game kind of feels like the calm before the storm. And then when all shit breaks loose, all shit really breaks loose. So, so you're not playing as any of the main characters in walking dead though, right? No, it, it, Okay, so it runs parallel to the story in the comic book. It takes place in Macon, Georgia, about two weeks before the comic book series. So this, the comic book series takes place after a couple weeks after the zombie apocalypse has already happened. This game takes place as the zombie apocalypse is happening. So you get to see, like, the breakdown of society. You get to see the, the power finally getting shut down. You get to see 
just um, you know how initially everyone thinks like, oh, this will blow over in a couple days, and then finally coming to the realization that like, hey, this isn't really going to blow over. We're all fucked, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, the tone of it is what I really really enjoyed, uh, and it is like I said, genuinely scary. I think Telltale did an amazing job with this. Absolutely. What about you? how far have you gotten so far, Scott? Um, I've made it to the the pharmacy so far. Okay, so you're yeah, you're you're a good ways in. So yeah, you know, it's you, you made it's your episode. decision. Yeah, I did make a decision, and it's that's the interesting thing is that I feel like you could go back and probably replay this game a couple of times and try the other decisions. And it's not, it's not just the decisions. Are when you're playing, are you playing with the hint system turned on, or did you turn it off? Oh, I just I didn't, I didn't even know there was a hint system. So like I, I mean, it turned off. Not like a hint system, but it'll like show you the hot spots like in the environment, and it'll tell you like when somebody remembers something. Like, do you yes. see that stuff? Yeah, that that's turned on. Yeah. Okay, so like in addition to like these sort of like A or B type decisions, you can also um, choose to to um, role play your character a certain way through the dialogue options. And the thing that's cool about that is that um, you can there's a, like a sort of a help system if you're not like a hardcore adventure gamer. So the help system will show you the hot spots, but it'll also tell you about the impact your um, dialogue options are having on the characters that you're interacting with. Yeah. So. If you choose to lie to somebody, um, the game will be like this person remember like this person doubts what you're saying. So like throughout the game, like when you have conversations with them in the future, they'll be like, "Hey, you know, like you're a pretty shitty liar. You need to you know do something yeah. about that." So yeah, it huh. is the whole game is based really around conversation and the relationships you NPCs and like you know, I I was like really I mean in my game it's not a spoiler, but I was really nice to this guy and his family. And by the end of the first act, that guy is like my buddy and he, you know, comes in and saves my ass. And like I have like a genuine attachment to this guy and his family. So it is um, pretty cool. And, you know, there are characters from the comic book series and the television series that do make a cameo if you, you know, you know who's who. So um, there's a little bit of overlapping with the, with the narrative. But it is only it's five bucks for the first chapter on Xbox Live. That's and it, it's all. honestly yeah, it's honestly about two and a half three hours long for the first chapter which is really good it's almost as long as call of duty modern warfare 3 (laughs) (laughs) so it's only five (laughs) dollars so um (laughs) definitely definitely pick it up even if you're not an adventure gamer it's it's incredible it's very very well done yeah there's a lot of appeal here like if you know for fans of walking dead obviously this is a must buy um if you're a fan of like narrative like dialogue style bioware narrative like that's it's a buy for you. If you were a fan of Heavy Rain, this is a buy for you. You know, and then if you're an yeah. adventure gamer, it's a buy for you. So there's like a lot of different, a lot of different things going on here, and it, it already seems like this game is gonna have tons of replay value. Awesome. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Good stuff. So Ash, did you uh, pick up Dragon's Dogma? Uh, I I played the demo. The demo went live on Tuesday, and I I have been really curious curious about this game for quite a while because this yeah. was, if you guys remember way back long ago in like nerd rated NA episode like 10, we were talking about how Capcom should do a really hardcore RPG and just shock everyone, you know? Um, And what would that RPG be like? Well, uh, Dragon's Dogma is coming out very soon. And um, I encourage everyone to try the demo out. It's super short. There's two different chapters you can play in the demo and you can probably get through both of them in honestly 20 minutes. I mean, they don't (laughs) really give you a lot to go with. (laughs) Um, the thing I do have to point out about this demo, so it's a, you know, Dragon's Dogma, brand new, uh, hardcore RPG from Capcom. Um, 
they don't really explain anything about the narrative in this demo at all. It's basically just to get you uh, familiarized with the gameplay and the character customization. Um, so the character customization for when you actually build your characters is really, really deep. Um, you know, it's almost, it's almost to Bioware levels of character customization. Um, oddly enough, you can make your character a child, which is weird. (laughs) That's different. (laughs) Yeah. You can make your character like child, at least child sized, which probably leads to some creepy things on the internet later on. But anyway, um, but, uh, it's, I'm just saying the internet's a terrifying place, but the the thing about this that, that stood out for me, the dragon's dogma is, um, the combat and it has a really nice combat system. It's really different. Um, you can map, basically there's, um, you can map different abilities to different, it, it plays a lot like dragon age two. Okay. That's the, you hold down a button and you open up a set of skills and yada, yada, yada. But, um, the thing that is probably the coolest is when you fight large scale enemies, like let's say um, a griffin or a dragon or something like that, you can actually grapple it and then your character will jump onto that enemy's back and then you can actually hack away at the enemy from like on top of the enemy and things like that. So the, the enemies are a lot more interactive and your companions time, like got a war at that point. Um, it's not quick time, but okay. it is like, you'll still have access to uh, a number of your abilities while you're actually grappling onto a large opponent but um, your companions, which are called pawns for some terrible reason, I hate that they're called pawns, but your companions will do things like grapple. Let's say you're fighting a kobold. One of them will get a kobold in like a full Nelson and like shout like, hey, and then you can like, you know, line up an arrow and shoot them while they're grappled. So it seems oh, cool. as though your um, your pawns in this have um, a lot more, uh, you can interact with them a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like, Flying enemies, if you have, like, a big companion on your side, he can actually launch you up into this sky, sort of like, you know, fastball special style. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I really did enjoy the combat system. It's the narrative that I'm concerned about. Uh, if it doesn't have a good narrative, it's not going to be a good RPG, no matter how fun the combat is. Is this, is this getting made in Japan or stateside? It's it's Japanese, it and it, Japanese. Re- it reeks of... of Japan. <laughs> Players think oh my God. everything, not not in a bad way, but everything is very Japanese about this game. Like there's just menus all over the fucking place. They don't make any sense. There's a billion different buttons. You're just kind of looking at it like, what the hell? During the first part of the the first part of the demo, you go up to this stone, right, and this like portal opens up from the sky, and two people float down. And I guess they're your friends. And then they just like creepily wave at you with dead eyes. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And they're just staring at you, like slowly waving at you. And you're like, oh, hey. And they're like, we are here to serve you. And you're like, oh, God, this is so what? So here's a question. If this is a Japanese game, like these are my fears about a Japanese RPG is that there's going to be like score attack and like time speed runs. You know what I mean? Uh, So does the game do a score? Oh, good. Well, that's great. Yeah, I didn't see any score. Um, I didn't see any time stuff. Uh, I should note. I should note that visually, it looks very, very beautiful. The animation, uh, like for shooting arrows and and it looks just like Skyrim. Yeah, it looks a lot like it. It's third person. It's you know, it, it the world looked very beautiful. The enemies looked looked uh, gorgeous. So um, it is. I'm curious. I'm curious to see what happens when the actual game comes out, and if the story's any good. If the story's good, it's going to be a hit because it's fun to play. It's just, you know, is it going to draw you in and actually make you want to finish it? 
Well, from the so. trailer, they said something like, we were drawn to the dragons as puppets with fate's own thread or something like that. And I just remember thinking, that's kind of cool. So maybe that's why they're called pawns. Oh, okay. Oh. But, why, but my question is, why is the emperor in there? Did he land it at Capcom when he like fell through the hole in Return of the Jedi? <laughs> there's this character. I'm like, oh my god, it's the emperor. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the space pope. <laughs> Space Pope. Callback. Space Pope. Call yeah. Natalie's the Space Pope, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. She is. Yeah, All I right. So that is a, a good segue, good. actually, into more RPG goodness. And um, Hillary finished The Witcher 2. And according to Hillary, there are more boobs in it. <laughs> Yay. There's, there's it's boobs it's European. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, but the crazy thing is, no matter how different the girl looks, the boobs all look the same. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I just, I just that's anyway, true to life. Right? Um, <laughs> I guess so. Sure. Um, yeah. So I finished The Witcher two, and it was actually quite good. So all of the the bad stuff I said last week, I take back, and it totally redeemed itself in terms of um, story and how my choices affected um, the outcome. Um, combat improved um, the visuals awesome yeah I mean just a couple texture issues within the loading of the game but um, yeah I mean it was amazing and I'm awesome. glad that I made the choices that I made so yeah if you're looking for like a long kind of epic style RPG where choices are you know you start making choices from the get-go and they really tell the story I would definitely recommend The Witcher 2 it is a time investment um, yeah but yeah, I mean, and even though I skipped through a lot of the dialogue uh, <laughs> at, the, at the forefront, um, I was able to pick that all that back up at the end. So I was I was very pleased with that. The story is quite good, but um, yeah. How many uh, how many hours did you sink into it? You think? Um, I would say probably thirty, maybe okay. more. Um, I didn't really keep track, to be honest, and I felt like I was replaying bits um, when I died. Yeah. So. It yeah. could be me going through it and then, you know, getting killed by some wraith and being upset. Um, how, did you, but yeah. how did you feel about the um, – because, you know, Witcher 1 was a PC-only game, and so they, they moved this game, Witcher 2, over to Xbox. How did you feel about the menu system and having to do things like crafting potions and keeping track of, like, crafting items and stuff like that? Um, the inventory system was, was really kind of archaic. I'm not going to lie. I mean, at least within every world, they, you had a chest where you could store your stuff. It seemed um, pretty but deep, it, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it, you know, you you only had so much that you could carry at a time, and that's pretty standard. But yeah, the the inventory system could have been better. But I thought that the skill, um, the skill kind of assignment points were were mm -hmm. really well well played out. And you know, the the type you get a lot of variety in the type of player you want to be. If you want to be more magic heavy, if you want to be more you know combat heavy, or if you want your potions to be kick ass. So, you know, I really played heavy, heavy sword, heavy magic, and I didn't put anything in my alchemy just because I, I'm even, even on, you know, Elder Scrolls, the alchemy stuff kind of bores me. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Such a pain in the Sorry, ass to go around and like, yeah, just collecting yeah. like herbs and stuff. Yeah. I know. You pick flowers like, I in a game. <laughs> there's a lot of Did that in the Witcher, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Um, but no, I thought it was it was a really in the end. I, I'm I'm now more invested in the story, and hopefully, it, I mean, they definitely set you up for The Witcher Three. Oh, so cool. uh, yeah, I'll I'll definitely be buying that game. Um, That's it was really good. I'm really actually happy that you enjoyed it because I've been looking for another RPG to play, and I may yeah. actually pick this one up now. So actually, this might yeah, be I, of interest I to you. The um, the Witcher the it might be of interest to you to know that the the Witcher series is um 
actually based off of novels written by like a Polish author. Like it's a Polish game company that makes The Witcher. And uh, so there's actually a lot of source material that the games are actually based off of. So I know you like to read like the Dragon Age novels and stuff like that. So they there are Witcher novels as well. Cool. Very oh, cool. cool. Yeah. But the overall narrative yeah. was good too. You enjoyed the story and you you enjoyed betting yeah. lots of women with the same breasts, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> well sometimes sometimes you get things sometimes you get things out of it. So yeah, my, my Witcher was a bit of a player. <laughs> Whoa, hey yo. So, yeah. so wait, yeah. you actually received... And you could change his hairstyle and stuff, so I was actually quite pleased with that because I wasn't digging his first do. But that that's pretty and, much the only customization. Yeah. You can change his hairstyle if you bed women. No, you can you can always you can change your. <laughs> there's there's merchants you can go to to change the hair, but yeah, other oh. than hair and armor, that's that you don't get to change his face, which I was sorely hoping I could. <laughs> yeah, you didn't care. No changing the... of the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and we'll have to um, give it a play, and then let you know what we think. Yeah, definitely. I I would definitely it it starts off slow, but give it time. Yeah, that's um, what I hear. I hear the first act is the first act is slow, and then it gets really good once it opens up a bit. Right. Cool. Um, cool. I I went and saw Cabin in the Woods. Um, <laughs> I can't since no one else here has seen it, and it is a movie wrapped in mystery. Really, say much about Cabin in the Woods other than everyone should go pretty much today and go see it because um, written by uh, Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon. Uh, directed by Drew Goddard, probably one of the most bizarre and entertaining horror films I've seen in about a year. Um, it is incredible. It has a great cast. Um, it is just a lot of fun, and it is not what you're expecting at all. Now, um, I've it, heard this is kind of a screamish take on horror movies, right? Like it's it's, it's like self aware in its horror moviness. Ah, uh, here's the deal. It's really really smart. It's really smart, but it's not like Scream in that, you know, Scream and just had a lot of like incredibly witty dialogue and, you know, it was like almost a uh, campy witty dialogue. <laughs> yeah, you know, some witty dialogue. And um but the <laughs> but Captain Captain the um it is a it's a completely Joss Whedon look on horror. Yeah. And which it's just going to it's going to make your brain kind of melt and be like what in the hell is going on? And it almost seems like it could – and for fans of Buffy and Angel and Dollhouse and all that stuff, it's like you take a lot of the ideas that existed in those franchises and you smash them into a horror movie and then you get Cabin in the Woods. So for me, it was like just a breath of fresh air because I love I love those franchises a, a whole lot. And seeing them all kind of back on the screen together in one big mashup was fucking incredible. So uh, definitely go check it out. And so oh, I also – yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. So oh, on a please. scale of like scary between like the ring on one end and I don't know, super horror slasher, like the saw movies, yeah. um, where does it fit within that genre? That's a great question. Um, there are a, a handful of jump scares, um, but um, I would say the majority of it, I mean, there's definitely some gore. People meet some very disgusting, unfortunate ends, but it's not torture porny. And I'm using finger quotes. They're not going to like sit there and linger, you know, with like a, a splinter slowly going into someone's eyeball for 35 seconds on the screen or anything like that. So, I mean, it is gory. There is, you know, some really nasty stuff that goes down, but for the most part, it is um, just very well written and uh, really, really enjoyable. So uh, it's not something that's going to give you nightmares. Let's put it that way. 
So it's not anything ring-like or saw-like. Mm. So definitely cool. Oh, and the other thing is um, we've been trying to get Amy Acker, an interview with Amy Acker, who was on um, Angel and later on Dollhouse. We've been trying to get an interview with her for probably over a year. And um, finally, the green light came through the other day. So we should have um, an interview with Amy Acker up pretty soon. Um, and she, of course, played front Amy. And she's in Cabin in the Woods, so we're excited about that. So keep your eye on the site, and you will see a nerd-appropriate interview with Amy Acker. Yay! That's awesome. Ooh. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. She was uh, she was also on. Uh, she did one episode of Grimm and one episode of Once Upon a Time recently. She was she great. Was in awesome. Once Upon a Time. Did you see that episode? Yeah, she was great in both of them. She was great. Yeah. She, yeah, she I love both Grimm. of those. She played like a man eater on Grimm. It was amazing. So yeah, I've man, should, I've caught up on Grimm and been watching Grimm, but Once Upon a Time. Everybody's recommending now, I hear, right? I so love good. it. So, so good. good. So good. Man. And I, I Raphael Sabarge. You, you can't go wrong. It does. Aiden Malenko. There you go. Yes. <laughs> and he's pretty good. He's pretty damn good in Once Upon a Time. I got to hand it to him. Yeah. He's and awesome. The, the lost influence is, uh, is very apparent. You can definitely see the pedigree in, in Once Upon a in Time. Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Well, there's oh, yeah. so much. There's so much. Um, you know, Jane Espenson, who's you know a, a Buffy writer producer, she um, writes and and produces a lot of episodes, but once upon a time too. So there's definitely this like old school Buffy vibe to a lot of the episodes too, and like the relationships between the characters and stuff. You can see like the the essence of Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of resonating in this show, and it just makes me super happy. And um, <clears throat> it's good. So all right, well, I'll check it out. That was a side yeah. note. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Cool. Um, so cool. Uh, this week, um, the new Mass Effect uh, miniseries started, which is Home Worlds. So here's the first issue, which um, features uh, a story about James Vega. Um, it's kind of told like in like this book is sort of told in a lost flashback style. So you see the character now, and then it kind of goes into a backstory of of sort of what their life was like before they signed up with the Normandy. Um, it's, it's pretty good. Um, it's like, so it's, it doesn't really have like a lot to do with the main Mass Effect storyline. It's really, um, it, like if you're interested in the backstory aspect. So if you just want more, um, I will say that the, the art style is pretty similar to the, the art style of the previous books, but it does seem a little softer. Like, okay. I feel like some <laughs> of the previous books had like more detail, like in sort of like shots of space and in cities and stuff like that. Do you have a question? Is it the same team? Do you know or? Um, I don't know. Pretty much all of the books have had the same team at this point. So yeah, I mean, it, I it is Mac it is. Walters. I know that much. Um, well, go ahead, continue. I'll look it up while you're talking. Okay, so it's um, this one is Mac Walters and Eduardo Francisco. I'm pretty um, sure it's the same team, though. Yeah, I think some of the other books had three people credited, but um, this one only has two. Um, I think I think this book, um, like many of the other books, had like a variant cover as well. Um, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not like, it's not going to fill in anything that like, you know, like the other books, like if you read them, it would really enrich your experience with Mass Effect. And I don't think like this narrative is on that level, but you know, if you like reading Mass Effect stuff, like why not read this one? So yeah, what I understand that the Homeworld series is, um, each writer that actually wrote that character for Bioware is going to be writing that character again for the comic book series. So you're going to see all of the different writers kind of um, telling the backstories of the characters that they wrote for Mass Three. So it should it be would pretty cool. Yeah, it'll yeah. definitely um, it'll definitely deepen the relationships that you have with those yeah. characters. Like if you go back and play Mass Three, I guess my only 
my only complaint is that I wish this would have come out sooner. You know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's true. Like maybe like I, I guess you couldn't really put it out before because that would ruin a lot of the narrative. But if you put if the series started simultaneously with the launch of the game, I think that would help a lot. That would have helped a lot. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it is. It is actually a new artist. So that is. Yeah. Yeah, the art the art is different, but um, it's it's still good, and the and the story is interesting. So, um, yeah, definitely yeah. if you want to deepen your I have, relationship I have with these characters. Question for you, Scott. Okay. Um, my wife's been watching a lot of Saved by the Bell recently. Okay. Um, I don't really know why, but um, sometimes it's awesome. I will walk... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll walk in and I'll be like, "Man, Slater's really familiar," and I'll be like, "Oh man, Slater is pretty much James Vega." Pretty and much. Like, hey, what's yes. up, Mama? Um, yeah, <laughs> does, it's true. Does, it is, isn't it crazy? He's so. Yes, so I was the first time I saw him in the game. I was like, "Oh my god, where's Zach?" It, it could have been Mario Lopez doing the the voice acting, and not oh Freddie Prince gosh. Jr. Yeah, Freddie Prince did a great job, but um, he did. Yes, they he should did. have just actually scanned Slater from, from the series yeah. from Say by the Bell and just kind of pushed him into Mass Three. Yeah, like tank top and the the super giant mullet, and um, and then the short you know, Femshep could have like a nervous breakdown in the game and be like, "I'm so excited, I'm so <laughs> scared," you know that kind of thing. Yes, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, we love it. So you're so you're still digging that? I actually met Mario Lopez in Burbank, and um, he's an interesting fellow. <laughs> I would have oh, met him. Is he exactly like AC Slater? Yeah, and he's and he's kind of I don't know. It, it was just a really weird experience. He he actually took my parking space. Um huh. downtown Burbank's really hard to park at, in. So mm-hmm. I was leaving and he was like trying to get his friend to take my spot and he like walked up to my car and pretended to have a conversation with me though I was not talking. <laughs> so oh, really? He was like waiting. Yeah, he was waiting for some more cars to go because he saw his friend like four cars down and he wanted oh. my spot. So I was like rolling down my window, just like staring at him, like what? And he's just like pretending to talk to me, and I'm like, either you're crazy or I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and so I just like, as soon as he stopped like pretending, yeah. I kind of said, um, "Are you waiting for me to leave?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I, my buddy wants this spot." And I was like, that, "Well, that was could him. have asked me." <laughs> he was acting there, by the way. <laughs> I don't like you're very talented. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he go? You do such a preppy, great job on those walk pageants. Away. He, I, I was just like, you know, there's a way to do things and you could have absolutely, instead of like scaring the shit out of me by walking up to my car, because, you know, you're pulling, you're like, you know, starting your car, all of a sudden dude is right in your window. I mean, it's not exactly yeah. like the coolest thing ever. So, um, yeah. yeah, he absolutely could have said, hey, can you hold on a second while my friend comes? But instead it was like this whole charade. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was, I was not impressed. <laughs> wow. That, that shifty Slater. Never I know. trust him. He was like ten years older than everybody else, anyway. It's yeah, just he weird. Was. It was weird. Yeah, right. Uh, I did right. want to mention since we're on comics, really quick. Uh, X Force, Uncanny X Force, one of the best books Marvel puts out. Uh, Phil Noto is now doing the art officially on the book. Ooh, he, he was on nice. this latest one, and Excellent. it's it's fucking really good. The art looks phenomenal. Rick Remender's still writing, who's probably one of the best writers out right now. Uh, you've heard me mention him a lot, and. Yeah. Uh, the book is is awesome, and, and at a good point to pick it up too. It kind of just started a new storyline with Phil, so 
Cool. Excellent. We'll be right back with our open thread question, which was um, about new consoles and what is going to get you excited about them. So we will be right back. So we had a very interesting question on our Twitter and also on nerdappropriate.com for you to participate with us. And the question was, with a new console on the horizon, what game or feature would make you excited enough to upgrade? So um, I'm going to step in here and say that there's not a whole lot that's going to divorce me from my Xbox 360, and it's going to take like a holodeck for me to be very, very excited. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Although a holodeck would be pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So what do you guys think? Well, that's kind of why I asked it, because I feel like yeah. we've hit a point in the console that uh, that we're not growing at the rate that we were growing previously. So like hardware is getting better, but not at an insane pace for consoles like hardware is getting better just in the sense that it's getting cheaper not necessarily so much faster that we're going to be able to do crazy things that we couldn't pull off with the 360 um so obviously the graphics will step up and there's going to be little things but is that really enough for anyone here to drop and be the early adopter at you know five or six hundred dollars on a new console no i I agree it's pretty tough it is and and i think it's interesting but i mean like all of these you know, these companies keep putting out new versions of their engines and the engines keep getting nicer and nicer. Um, and it, it, we are getting to the point where the hardware does need to improve in order to support these new engines, like the new Unreal's coming out and the new Crytek engine's coming out. Yeah. So you'll see the difference between a 360 and a high-end PC. Um, so I think the next generation of console is just going to have, you know, a lot more uh, under the hood, so to speak. But um, in terms of getting me excited about that, I don't know. I don't. I mean, like, sure, new hardware is going to be great and all, but do I want to plop down another, you know, four hundred dollars for that new hardware, to especially play something that's just slightly better, you know? Especially when I believe I don't know about Hillary, but two out of at least the three of us have bought the Xbox 360 multiple times. Yeah. No, I have. I, I have two Xboxes and a PS3, and yeah. you know, re- with the recent addition of Connect and everything, I mean, yeah, I feel like I, I just bought a new uh, 250 gigabyte Xbox, so I'm not really yeah. that that excited to spend more money <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah. especially with games being you know 70 dollars or more um yeah you know when you and i can't wait i'm not a patient person so yeah i mean i'm sure it'll be fantastic and i'm sure we'll see things about it that are really really cool but for as speculation goes i mean it's interesting to see what people are saying um on the twitter feed and also online so i guess we should jump to that let's jump to yeah. it all right cool. So I'll start. So Cohen Malaflam said, yeah. integration with my TV cable, picture-in-picture type stuff with a universal remote slash keyboard, a beastly multi, multimedia machine. That's awesome. Um, kind of like a Google TV cool. mashup. Yeah. yeah. I have well, one. He uses, Cohen uses his, um, his 360 a lot as like a source of, you know, like an entertainment hub, like a lot of Hulu, a lot of Netflix. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have a lot of friends on live that you see on you know, on Hulu and Netflix constantly, but having a nice, um, a nice, a nicer interface that makes it like a little bit more user friendly. Um, and also, you know, kind of integrates those new hardware advances into the TV watching experience to be pretty cool. I mean, I don't really know how to pull it off, but it'd be just, awesome to just on a very simple level. I think it would be nice if you, I mean, even if you could just hook up an over the air antenna to your Xbox and pull in channels, even if you don't have like a cable provider, I think, 
I think that would be cool to have that kind of integration because there you wouldn't have to have any contracts with anybody. You would just need an antenna and you could just put the the port in the back. Yeah, that would be pretty that would be pretty awesome. So I agree with Cohen. I think uh, having a, a better integration with TV cable would be great. Rather than battling against, you know, battling against other formats, why not just kind of embrace and? I think we are. I think we are really close to this idea of sort of a la carte TV. I think I think mm-hmm. Comcast and Time Warner uh, and Bright House and all of them are coming out with these apps now that integrate with your Xbox or integrate with your Apple TV or whatever. And uh, you still have to have a subscription to cable. And I think we're slowly seeing this divergence or convergence, I guess it would be. I don't know, whatever. Like, sure. we're, we're seeing these two paths cross um, where you're going to start paying a smaller fee and just having different kind of access to the cable channels as opposed to a cable box that you have 24 hours a day running shows that you're not watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's coming. I think the Xbox can cool. do it. Um. So back to the wall, James Gamble, who is Desperado on Twitter, says feature-wise, if they executed this, and uh, James included a, a post to a YouTube video, which which shows like a sort of a mashup between a Connect and a, a heads-up like motion display that you wear, like glasses style, like VR style, with a Wii remote, and it's kind of a demo where you can um, turn your head side to side to to look left and right, and then the gun has. Wii remote style controls so you can you fire the gun based on where you're you're pointing the remote yeah and uh i'm not sure where the connect fits in but um well the, it's yeah, actually your movement um how you moved your character was actually you would actually move like move your body and that's how your character actually turned and, and oh i didn't like know that, that was so it was it was full, the heads up display i think it was a combination of both so his mm-hmm. his thing was saying basically like totally immersive 100 percent vr is what would get him excited because it, it can, included motion controls, a headset, and basically uh, the demo, which we'll include in our show notes, aha, <laughs> aha was uh, you know this this example of what can be done with modern hardware. So um, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, I personally never want to have to wear a headset when I play games, and I don't really want to have to stand up and move. Kind of like sitting on the couch, but lazy. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm lazy. Standing and playing. Give if me a do, break. If they do make this, I know what the killer app is going to be. It's going to be a remake of Dactyl Nightmare. Have you ever? Do you ever play that at the mall? No. Remember? You don't remember? Like back when VR, when they first did it, you could go to the mall. Oh, the big thing you lay down on your yeah. head. Yeah. And you you put like the gigantic uh, VR headset <laughs> over your face, and then they put you in this little like ring. And uh, you played a game called Dactyl Nightmare, and it looked like you know it was like Max Headroom style graphics, where where you you basically had yeah, like three yeah. platforms to turn around on. Yeah. You shot at a, a pterodactyl, and it was amazing because <laughs> it was like you know it was like the early '90s or something. Nightmare, uh, that's oh, amazing. God. Yeah. So uh, Bill went to our website this time to give a more long form answer, and uh, he says. Uh, Honestly, other than the latest, greatest hardware, what more can they do? My 360 already plays games, streams movies, TV and music, uses cloud storage, downloads games instantly, and works with or without a control if you've got a Kinect. Helps manage social apps, lets you video chat again with the Kinect, and surfs the web. I mean, with all the things you can already buy through Xbox Live, they might as well just put an Amazon app, which they'll never do, on there and be done with it. But PS, <laughs> PS3 has that Amazon app now. so well, maybe yeah. They don't have that market, though. I think Xbox no, is a more deep market. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, 360's come a long way. I mean, if you look back, you know, a couple of years ago, back when the Blades, and you looked at Xbox Live, and it was the Blades, and there was really nothing there other than your cool. friends list. We've come a very, very long way since then. But now I think, um, if you guys notice, when you're navigating live, it can be a bit clunky and a bit slow. Like right now when I load up my friends list, it takes like 20 seconds for everyone's pictures to pop up and yeah. doesn't really show you what they're playing until. So it, it that is all a RAM issue and it's definitely, you know, it's time for new hardware to support this uh, GUI that they have going. So I agree with Bill. I mean, live is awesome right now, but they're going to need to upgrade the hardware to support how awesome it is. They are. Did you ever... Go do you ahead. ever log in through your computer to see who's online? Is that me all being a crazy stalker? No, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, do who's you? actually playing right now while I'm stuck at work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I open it on my phone on occasion when I'm at work, and then I curse at everyone because uh, everyone's having fun and I'm not. So. They, um, <laughs> they did leak their new music app, which they've codenamed Woodstock. And, mm-hmm. you know, classic Microsoft, it's about a year too late to the party, but it looks exactly like Spotify in the sense that you're going to be able to manage your library and stream all your different you know, whatever from wherever kind of thing, as opposed to the way it is now, which is completely disconnected. So, yeah, you know, I think, I think that kind of them combining media and making it more relevant to the way web apps have gone is probably a big part of it. Man, if I could just get my zoom pass on my iPhone, which will never happen, but that's all I want. It will not. All right, next up is uh, Kittler C, who actually responded on uh, nerdappropriate.com. And he says, I'm afraid of the new consoles because somehow I doubt my massive rock band music library would transfer over. Um, I say, Kittler, that Harmonix is such an awesome company that they would probably allow your library to transfer over. I don't know how they would pull it off, but Mm -hmm. Harmonix does not seem like the type of company that would make you buy everything again. So um, I would like to think that your library will be just fine with this new generation of console. So... Uh, and also, I should note that um, if you do have a longer response from now on, um, every week when we pose our Twitter question of the week, we will have it up on the site for you to uh, reply to um, because we were having some people that either don't like Twitter, don't like to use it, or have uh, a long-winded answer that doesn't fit in the uh, the twitter size response. So, Cough, cough, oh, Axel99, cough, cough. Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jesse Lamb, who tweets like eight in a row, which we love. But now you can just go and like write a little essay on well, the site. We'll have to rename this now because it's not the Twitter question of the week anymore. It's just the nerd appropriate question of oh, the week. Oh man, do we have to oh. re-architect the Twitter walls? This is, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Man. I just I got mine up. I know. We'll have to send you a Destroy our dreams. Matt, you can read this one. I'll read this one because he always likes to make a joke for us and he does it when he's online with me and then he says something to me immediately after. So, friend Ryan, you know, constant guest on the podcast, in the past uh at physics for poets says smell vision holodeck cup holders and girlfriend (laughs) can a console actually be a girlfriend is that like a i think if it could ryan would honestly never leave his house so and he already doesn't leave very much so burn smell of wasn't a burn it's just honest i'm just saying think about it he'd be totally happy i don't want smell of vision <laughs> and girlfriend in the same one yes yeah, <laughs> girlfriend cup holder that is a dangerous combination if you know what i mean oh, dude God. that is all i mean i can string <laughs> that together in a very bad way <laughs> i think that was probably ryan's point if you if you add smell of vision holodeck a cup holder girlfriend you get love <laughs> Are you sure that's not just a math problem? Like smell of vision plus holodeck plus cup holder equals girlfriend? Is that is yes. that what he was trying to say? 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask a serious question? Sure. Yes. <laughs> with with the uh, you know holograms of Tupac or whatever that have happened, and this yeah. like this new way of kind of projecting video, do you think this? Do you think that consoles will ever merge into like a single unified piece of hardware that does everything? Ugh. It's your connect. Yeah. It's your projector. It's your hardware. Like it's just an all-in-one beastly unit, as as Cohen said. Maybe when we're old and gray, but I think right now there's it, it'd be too hard to pull off. Yeah. That Tupac thing supposedly cost two hundred thousand dollars to do for just one show. Oh and yeah, it was, like, was a series of like mirrors and all sorts of crazy crap. But if real like Star Wars holograms ever happened, um, sure, I mean that would be incredible. Yeah. And, would you really? Would you really spend two hundred thousand on that? I would rather buy a ticket on Virgin Galactic or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Fly around in space. Yeah. Real life? Why would you want real life experiences over a video game hologram in your house? <laughs> hey, there are people that would look at me and go, why don't you buy a house with that money? It's like, mm, uh, that's not as fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's true. I just keep thinking about something out of like Fahrenheit where we're just talking yeah. to our, our video Single walls ball. all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. So well, we're all talking to our right computers now. right now. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's true. Did, has anyone me. actually, has anyone answered this question? Yet, Ash, do you want to answer the question? What? The, our, the question? our question of the week. Yeah. <laughs> what? Where am I? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> What's oh. going on? Oh, where am I? Oh, oh, yes. The question of the week. What is my answer? Well, yes. um, it's funny. I, I don't like motion control, so I don't want anything to do with it. I think um, what would make me truly excited about a, a new generation of console would be um, having enough uh, – RAM and enough storage to actually create a, a persistent state world that you can access on a console that um, would have a game that would have enough processing power to actually generate a, a complete world that would be interactive um, for you and your friends to get on and go on and do ridiculous things, um, almost like the generation of a whole nother planet. Uh, but on a console, so you could like, you know, where everything is actually persistent meaning that you could go and like have a, a lasting impact on uh, on an event and have that event right. carry over for all other people to yeah. see. So, you know. so you're kind of saying that that it's not like, yeah, you want the hardware, but you mainly are looking at like a launch title then. Yeah. It's I mean, gonna be the game. Like There's see... nothing that the console can do to make you buy it, but the games that come out with it. Yeah, it's all, it's all about the, the software itself. I mean, I, I don't think how you interact with that software is all that important. I don't, you know, like I don't want to waggle with a, with a Wii controller. I don't care about the connect and like yelling at the TV and all that stuff doesn't really matter to me in the end. I've tried it all and it does. I always go back to the controller, but what I'd like to see is hardware powerful enough to support, um, new software that is really, really innovative. So, yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So Midtown583 says Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> All he wants is Blu-ray. <laughs> Which funny, I mean, I, it's got to yeah. happen, right? I mean, it's got to yeah. end up on the next It probably Xbox. will happen. There's no way. Well, you think Sony will allow? Yeah, it's true. Well, I feel I like mean, the next step is if it if it doesn't have Blu-ray, then all the games should be downloadable. Yeah. Because right now they're they're constricted by by the size and it, it is kind of annoying to have two Mass Effect discs for for the last two games. I'd rather just God, have that one. That was bad. Even yeah, more annoying yeah. when you install it on your Xbox and you still have to change discs yes. when you want it. And you're like, what? It's all on the hard drive. Just switch <laughs> to the other place. 
Correct. <laughs> yeah, I literally in the first in the first two hours of playing Mass Effect, I think I changed the discs like six times. Yeah. I was like, seriously? Did, did <laughs> yeah, they, I'm exercising, guys. I'm exercising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you making me get up right now? I know. <laughs> what if the, what if instead of a Blu-ray, they just they put out an Xbox with two DVD drafts? <laughs> 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 They're like, uh, we solved it, guys. <laughs> Oh my god! Yay. All um, right. Um, I think we skipped over Bethany's response. Oh, did we? Sorry. Oh, we did. Sorry, yeah. Bethany. Bethany okay. says it better have four to eight player co-op dragon punching to get me interested. Maybe an SP RPG element, but mostly dragon punching. <laughs> <laughs> co-op is important, and I think if they can find a way to support um, larger co-op campaigns, whether that's I don't know a hardware or a software limitation, I don't really know. But there really haven't been very many eight-player co-op experiences, and I think part of that is a processing problem. If you're going to be generating the AI for, for enemies and letting four players interact with that AI, that's really, really hard to pull well, off. Did the PS3 put out, what was it, MAG or something that had like 16 or 24-player co-op or something? It did, but it was competitive. PvP. Yeah, oh, it was PvP. So it wasn't against AI. So I, I like Bethany's idea because, I mean, one of the things that all of us Mass Effect multiplayer uh, folks said is we'd love if this if we could have a bigger party because you know four is is small especially yeah. when you have a large friends list and everybody wants to play um it's hard to say well you know you have to sit out yeah, <laughs> yeah. well gears uh, got you to be. five right <laughs> yeah gears got you to five which was cool all right um next up is marla who is at code marla on twitter and Marla says, um, touchscreen controller for sure. Hello, Nintendo. That way you can have custom controllers for each, or custom controls for each game. I'm not excited for that. What about you guys? What, what do you guys think about the, the new Nintendo controller? Like, I mean, her take on it is very different from what I think, you know, what they advertise as the vision of the, of the touchscreen controller. So like code, code Marla sort of envisions it as a way to, as a way to customize your experience. But I think Nintendo views it, um, also as a way to, add another screen so that you can do things on the screen that other players can't see or do things on like take the HUD off the TV and put it on your screen, I guess is another way they look at it too. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked about this before and Ryan actually, Ryan and I talked about this a bunch is that Nintendo is always the innovator of the controller. Nintendo is always the first one to put out the new version of whatever you're doing with, with I guess the exception of the connect, but I look at the connect as like kind a of response? the next generation of, yeah, of motion controlling. And Nintendo, you know, I mean, they were the first to put vibrators in the controller to put a analog stick. I know that was a joke. Everybody go ahead and make it really quick. <laughs> uh, analog stick and then motion controlling. And then now they're doing this secondary screen thing. And every time they do it, it always looks stupid. I think this thing isn't going to make sense until we see what they can really do with it. I mean, they just announced that. Um, what's the game with the Raving Rabbids? Uh, what's that Raymond. game? Raymond. Well, it's, yeah, Raymond. Yeah. They just announced that there's AR to it to where you can place things on the controller and then that will show up in your game. So like they have these little miniature characters that you can oh, like no. you can place on the controller and then that thing will show up in the game and you, it's they're selling more shit to you. It's but, gonna be like Skylanders all over again, right? But okay. yeah, but but the point being that that you know, there's things that this controller can do that I don't think they've talked about or really let out, you know, the the feature set that this thing's gonna be able to pull off. So I don't know. It's interesting. I think that customizable control thing is is smart if they did it. It'd be wild, yeah. Um, I'm waiting for someone to try and say this guy's name, so please, someone do oh, it. I'll try it. <laughs> oh, yes! Samuli Rimplanen. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> at Growl99. 
having a terabyte of space and ability to download games. Also free to okay ones. No? I guess I'll be smart and keep my PC. Hmm. Does it, do they mean to say free to play? Yeah. I think they yeah. yeah. Free to play. Yeah. He was making a, a snarky joke, though, about how he already has this on his PC, so why would he go yes. to console? Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, console's better. Because <laughs> I like sitting on my couch and playing video yeah. games. That's my answer. Yeah. But... Um, last but not least is Charge Toria Nobelots uh, at Relwise on Twitter. Uh, she is a proud member of Team Vanguard. And she says, she says, would it be too much to ask for a Sonic game that does not suck? Oh, uh, yeah. There's so many of the, the fallen greats, you know? If you look back and, and at some of the titles that have um, gotten worse over the years, and of course Sonic is on that list. So That's I don't know if you necessarily need a brand new piece of hardware to to bring us a Sonic that doesn't suck, but... Maybe that's the problem. There's never been hardware truly good enough to realize how good Sonic could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I You're agree. the Sega guy, too. You would know. Yeah. You're, that's that's your domain. I mean, I played all the Sonics, but I never... I, I don't know. I don't have the affinity for Sonic as a character that I think some people do. Mine, you know mine. Mine's Shining Force. So I, want, I want that shit yeah. back. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I could... I could stand to have another Altered Beast. Have you played Altered Beast Altered again Beast? since playing it? <laughs> I played that in the arcade the last time I played it, and it was <laughs> many moons ago, but um, that was amazing. You could turn into a werewolf and destroy things. I bought, like, some... I forget where I played it. I bought... It was, like, on some, like, classic gaming pack or something that I had, and I and I played it, and I was like, this game is horrible. <laughs> it's like... It probably is pretty the, bad, The though. idea of turning into, you know, like, the werewolf guy and running around and punching things was great, and then <laughs> actually play it, you're like, this is this is pointlessly stupid, but... It was much better in your head yeah, when yeah, you remember yeah, it. Totally than totally games are like that. Well, that did, about... you guys ever, did you guys ever play Tiny Toons on Genesis? No. That was the best. Was it that really was the good? best game. I don't know yeah, if I some, was, the, like, some of those Warner yeah. games are great, like DuckTales. Was like yeah. I was going to say, I had, a, that was I had awesome. a Nintendo, and DuckTales fucking ruled. Yeah. That was great. That was an amazing game. Had an awesome soundtrack, too. Maybe that should be our, our outro music. I would have played us if it's 20 years old, right? I don't think we can play that. <laughs> just... yeah, we, can, dude, we can play whatever. We just can't sell it. <laughs> well, you Wait, don't we're not know. We're selling man. this podcast. No, yeah. we're not currently. Are we still recording? What's happening yeah. right now? <laughs> we're, we're not done right. yet. Yeah. All right. Uh, Who wants to outro? <laughs> <laughs> not it. Not it. Not my. All notes. right. Not well, that has been the podcast. Somehow, uh, that was episode fifty-seven. Uh, of course, you can go to Twitter at NerdAppropriate, Facebook slash NerdAppropriate, Google Plus slash a lot of digits that somehow turn it into NerdAppropriate. Uh, NerdAppropriate.com. You can email three of us, at least at this point, at Matt, Scott, or Ash at NerdAppropriate. Um, I think that's it. That is all the contact information we have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks Hillary, for listening. Hillary, drop some info about yourself. Uh, so you can tweet at me at Hillary Heskett, Hillary with one L, Heskett with two Ts. On Twitter, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and I know one of you has a problem with LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is awesome. And <laughs> me? Yeah, I don't know. Last week you said something about LinkedIn. Being oh, I just confusing. don't understand it. It's like a weird, confusing. Link. Oh no, we can't do this again. No, we're doing it. <laughs> oh no. LinkedIn. No, I think I get it slightly more. It's like a professional Facebook where you don't talk about your babies, right? 
Is that right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a place where you go to stalk people and see what they do at their daytime jobs and, and also maybe their nighttime jobs. <laughs> their nighttime Whoa. Jobs. No. Can I, can I make a site where we stalk people just about nighttime jobs? Because that sounds really intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> That's called yeah. Facebook. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not good at Facebooking either. Yeah. But you can find me on all of those. So go ahead and do that. <laughs> and we'll be friends. Awesome. Yay, internet awesome. friends. Yeah. All right, guys. Great. Well, thank you for listening to episode 57. Now let's go play some Mass Effect multiplayer. Woo! What, what? Kill some phantoms. <laughs> <laughs>